Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Danielle Massey, and she is a licensed psychotherapist. She also is a master shadow worker, and I want to welcome her to my show. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for having me. I tell you what, I have been watching your videos and you popped up, you kept popping up on my For You page. And I was like, who is this girl? I really like her. And what the heck is shadow work? I kind of had an idea, but I wasn't sure. So can you tell me what shadow work is? And, and I want to talk about your degree. I want to talk about everything. So I'm going to give the mic to you. The universe kept putting me on your path. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my background is in shadow work. And shadow work is the process of going into what's called the unconscious mind. Mm. There's three levels to our consciousness. We have the conscious, which is everything that we're fully aware of, the things that we know that we're doing and without a doubt. Underneath that is the subconscious mind. And the subconscious is the stuff that's just below the surface of your awareness. But if you need to access it, you can. Think about breathing. You're not thinking about breathing all day long. But if I told you to focus on your breath and I told you to interrupt your breath pattern and to breathe differently, you could. Mm -hmm. That's subconscious. So anything that's just below the surface of the awareness, it could also be those automatic thoughts or like driving somewhere and you look up and you're like, how did I even get here? That's subconscious. Unconscious is everything that is so buried down and repressed in your psyche Mm. that you don't even know that it's there. In fact, the vast majority of your brain's capacity is unconscious. Mm. And when we have so much stuff that gets stuck in there, It is common for us to hold a lot of the beliefs about who we are and the triggers that we have in the world, the things that bother us, the views about how we think life should be lived. It all exists within the unconscious mind. So shadow work is the process of going into that unconscious to slowly pull out moments, intentionally re-experience them and change how you feel about them, how you experience them, and how they exist in your brain, your body, your emotions, and your energy. Wow. Okay, so I always thought shadow work was more like, let's get rid of your demons. But it kind of is that in a way, right? Yeah, that's like 10% of it. And then the rest of it is (laughs) other things too. Like, it's not just dark. I know shadow sounds ominous. It sounds heavy. But it really is a place where we hold a lot of our strength too. Our brains are constantly sorting information. Everything that you see, whether it's a license plate, a couple fighting across the street, a silly video on TikTok, it all actually is stored within your unconscious mind. So it's not just traumas that live within there. It's not just your demons and the darkest parts that you repress from yourself. Those things are there. And probably the first thing you should deal with when you do shadow work. But everything else is there, too. So we can also find moments of strength and resilience, moments where you've doubted yourself and written yourself off. Those are in the unconscious as well. Oh, you know, Gabby Bernstein, I know you love her and she follows you and that's so cool. But she also talks about we're all trying to get rid of trauma or running away from trauma. And she made a really good point, I thought. She said, you know, when you were even a little kid and maybe you weren't learning something as well as the other kids and they made fun of you or maybe you were bigger than the other kids and they were fat shaming you. But you came from a great family and there were no issues in your family. But those one tiny little incidents can really have an effect on you when you get older, correct? 
Yeah, they can. They change your brain's neural wiring. And that is what shadow is all about. Wow. Okay. See, there you go. Okay. I love this. So, but I, but I also love, you know, your actual psychotherapy background. And you talked about in one of your videos about the Rosenhand experiment. Can you tell my listeners about that? I was so fascinated by this. So, and it's almost like a true crime mixed with this as well. You know, I mean, it is. Yeah. let me start by saying that a lot of the studies that happened early in American history are horrific. And the Rosenhan experiment is, is just one of a thousand examples. There's another one that we could talk about, too. It's called the Little Albert experiment. Okay. And with that one, scientists took a very young boy. We're talking under the age of five. And they exposed him to a cute little white bunny. And then he was able to experience how adorable it was. And then they brought him a white rat. And the rat was scary and it was biting and it freaked him out and every day they would pair this white rat with him and seeing it and having that experience and his whole body would switch into that fight or flight state and it got to the point where a little while later they reintroduced the white bunny and he panicked because it was close enough to the white rat that it scared him it created that same visceral reaction and that's how our bodies wire themselves but just think about that for science we traumatized a child. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. But before there were regulations on the experiments that we were doing, science didn't have a lot of bounds. In fact, a lot of the research that we have, a lot of the science that we have, and even some really groundbreaking stuff comes from Nazi experiments that they would do on their prisoners. And I'm someone who comes from Jewish descent. It's horrific to think about the fact that it happened. So the Rosenhan experiment, yeah, it's just another one of those. A moment where we can look at how messed up our medical system is and also how unethical the study itself was. Right, right. Because what you were talking about, you said, you know, listen, you think the witch hunts were over back in the 1400s, right? No, it's still going on. And that's when you told and explained this Rosenhan experiment. So tell my listeners kind of what you talked about. Yeah, so the Rosenhan experiment is one that I used to teach my students when I was a professor at Penn State. And the Rosenhan experiment came from this, um, he was a researcher, but also a psychiatrist, David Rosenhan. And he decided to take a few of his colleagues and infiltrate some mental health facilities. And what they did was they said that they were having auditory hallucinations. Mm -hmm. They didn't elaborate beyond that. It was just auditory hallucinations. They voluntarily checked themselves in. And once they were checked in, they told whoever it was that they were speaking to, the doctors, the nurses, whoever else, that they actually were not having any hallucinations. They became themselves again. They weren't exhibiting any signs of mental illness. They didn't describe any hallucinations or anything else that would tip anyone off to a diagnosis. They just went back to being normal. And the doctors, the facilities themselves would not let them go. Uh The average time there was 19 days for those patients. I just can't, you know, and this happens too. I think back in the, what, the 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe even before then, where women would just, you know, maybe be on their periods and just be having, you know, a a bad week. And then the husband's really mad and says, okay, I may have to check you into, it was okay to check them into a mental hospital. What? Yeah, men were actually able to check their wives in without the wife's consent. All the doctors needed was consent of the husband in order to check them into a psychiatric institution. Wow. 
Okay. Uh, that's, and you know, and I kind of knew things about that in the past, but you know, hearing you talk about it again, it's just so arbitrary yet so ridiculous to me. I, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then I was like, no, that, that actually, that kind of crap actually happened. You know, I, it's funny when I posted that, I really was just thinking to myself, like, what's something fun and different I could talk about? I didn't think it would have the impact that it yes. did. I didn't think hundreds of thousands of people would watch it because I've had other posts become viral, but for some reason that one really took off. Yes, and I yes. think looking back in this retrospective way that it has to do with the fact that we have a really sad history history in America, like our history of hurting people and traumatizing others and the medical system being so skewed, it triggers a lot of us because we have personal experiences that echo that in the same way that Gabby Bernstein talking about being a kid and having someone mention that one thing about you. And it doesn't matter where you come from. You can have a loving home. If that hits a nerve as an adult, it will continue to hit a nerve. It's going to be your Achilles heel. So that, the Rosenhan experiment, the things that came up from it triggered a lot of people. It obviously has some level of shadow that it's bringing up in everybody. Right. Now, let me ask you this. So I know you believe in reincarnation, as do I. Do you think that we can, you know, bring another trauma from another life into something and you would have to do shadow work on those kinds of things? Yeah, in my book, I go into a lot of detail about how I believe there's four different facets to shadow work because these are the four things that end up in the unconscious the most. We have womb traumas, which is anything related to the sacral chakra. We have ancestral traumas, which is the stuff that we pass down through our genetics. The field of epigenetics studies this extensively. We have inner child healing, which is what people usually assume is shadow work, where we go into those childhood moments and we heal them. And we have past life work. And all of us, on some level, even if it's not conscious, we all hold the information from our past lives. And that includes the really hard moments, our big traumas. I actually opened up my new book, Shadow Work, with one of mine. I talk about a past life session that I did with my old shadow work mentor, the first time I ever did one where she brought me to a past life where I witnessed something that changed who I was as a person then, but it still has an echo where it resonates in my life now wow. in this lifetime. Just It's so strong and so impactful. And by the way, guys, her new book is coming out September 20th, and I will add a link in my show notes for that. Um, and guess what? Half of her book is her just explaining how to do it yourself, how to do your own shadow work, which I think is amazing, by the way. Thank you. I think it's so important. We should all be empowered to do things on our own. We don't need to give away all of our money or have someone hold our hand. We have this healing and we know that it works. And all we need is a guide, someone who's going to help us to do it safely, because that's very important for me. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, listen, I'm not going to gatekeep this. Uh, We all have abilities. We all can do these kinds of things. Uh, It just takes practice and the know-how and or the want to do it. And that's the whole thing. So I love that you give us the tools to do it. Now, you also can regress people to their past lives, correct? I can. Anytime I do shadow work with people, we don't really know which one of those four facets is going to take us to. But I find very often it's past life. I think just because we carry so much heaviness from our past and there's so many lives that we've lived. 
Right. No, I, I totally agree. And that's what I love about you in that respect, because, I mean, you studied with a Harvard professor and you also were a professor. You've got so much science background. And to me, it gives validity to what you can do and how you understand things. Yeah, it's just amazing. And so what can you do now? I know you had one on manifesting. Do you believe in that kind of thing where you can manifest the good in your life and maybe help with a past child or whatever? What do you think of those things? So when it comes to manifestation, I actually think manifestation and shadow work are tools that operate along the same continuum. So shadow work is the process of going into the unconscious to alter what's called the subconscious feedback loop. The subconscious feedback loop is your experiences that create chemical reactions in your brain, known as emotions, that create a physical response in your body that then trips up another chemical reaction in the form of a thought from your gut up to your brain through the enteric nervous system. Most of us think our thoughts come from our heads, but they don't. They come from your gut. That loop, then experiences will now be impacted by those thoughts, and it continues on and on and on. So with shadow work, we're interrupting that feedback loop to change how things exist within your brain, your emotions, your body, and your energy. With manifestation, we're using that exact same system, that subconscious feedback loop, to create new things, new neural pathways. So what we want to do is envision a version of our life that we don't currently have. But imagine that we already have it. So we're going to have the experience in our heads as if it's already happening. We're going to feel the emotions. We're going to have that chemical reaction come up. We're going to feel gratitude. We're going to feel joy, feel excitement, whatever it is. That'll create a physical response in our body. So our body will have that rest and digest state get kicked in. We'll feel warm and tingly. We'll feel this deep sense of loving energy within our chest. That then sends a chemical reaction back up from the gut in the form of a thought that reinforces the experience of, I'm so glad this is mine. Mm. When we do that continually, what we do is we're actually creating a new neural pathway in the brain. And that helps us to activate this future reality because when an opportunity comes your way that you would have said no to before, now you're living in this future reality, theoretically, where you say yes to those kind of things. And so you take the aligned actions that bring your manifestations to life. So I think shadow work and manifestation are the same thing moving in different directions. Shadow work is about breaking down old neural pathways and manifestation is about creating new ones. And you know, it's so cool because, you know, think about it. It's almost like going under hypnosis to quit drinking or quit smoking or whatever. You're just reguiding the brain to do something and react in a totally different way, correct? Yeah, we're working on breaking down those old neural pathways that reinforce the addiction. And the reason why some people really thrive with hypnosis and other people don't is can we replace the old neural pathway with a new one? Mm. So instead of picking up a cigarette, can the immediate response be something else? When you have that feeling of discomfort in your body, we have to break its connection to needing to hold a cigarette in your hands or feel it moving into your lungs. We have to change it into something else becomes your coping mechanism because you're going to feel discomfort again. We can't take that away. Life is hard sometimes. But what we can do is replace what happens next with a new version of the feedback loop. What's the next step going to be instead? I think I need some of your hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) I don't consider the work that I do hypnosis because you're actively able to walk away. You're fully aware as we're doing shadow work. 
So when I take people into the shadow, they are in a meditative state, but you could just as easily get up and take a phone call. You might be a little bit more relaxed and in your body, but you're fully able to move around and do things. And I'll have people during a session switch from sitting up to lying down or vice versa. It's not like hypnosis where you're out and it's like you blacked out for a period of time and you don't know what happened during. You are fully aware. You're fully able to take control. And it's actually you that is experiencing the shadow moment. And I'm there holding space for you. And my gifts as someone who is psychically attuned is that I can see what you see and feel what you feel. But I'm not feeling it from a first-person perspective. I'm feeling it from a third person. So instead of it being like a level 10, for me, it's like a 2. So I can help guide you, but it's yours. And you're the one who's really letting yourself feel and re-experience and creating the interruption in the subconscious feedback loop for yourself. Okay. See, this is a whole new way of doing it as far as I thought you, you know, pretty much be out and maybe you remember, maybe you don't. But the fact that you can actually do things with it makes it to me a little less scary to to go under not necessarily hypnosis, but whatever you call that. I don't even know what you call that. Meditation. That's all it is. It's just a meditation. That is amazing. I love that. So if someone were to come to you and say, okay, Danielle, I need work with some of the trauma I went through as a child, or I need you know, whatever it was, how would you handle that? And what would you do? And would you ask questions and then decide how you would go about what you would help them do? Tell me everything. No, we don't have to do any of that. Your psyche will handle everything for us. All we need to do is get you to the point where you open the door to your unconscious, which we do through meditation. And when we meditate long enough, we get into what's called a theta brainwave state. When you're in theta, it basically means that your mind and your heart are in complete coherence. So the beat of your heart and your brain waves are matched up in a relaxed pace. And when we're there, your unconscious is already open. You get into theta multiple times a day. When you drift off to sleep at night, when you daydream, when you're going for a walk and you just kind of like start thinking about random things or you're on your way to work and you're not really paying attention to the drive, your head's just going wherever it's going, you're in theta. So it's easier than you think. You're doing it multiple times a day every day. This is just doing it with an intention. So we want to see something specific. So if somebody comes to me and really wants to work on childhood trauma, the intention would be, let's get to the root of the childhood trauma. What's the heaviest thing that we're holding? And that's all we have to do. And then we get to the moment. It just is going to come. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to force it. It will flow. And now at this point in my career, I've been doing this for so long that I don't work with individuals anymore. I just work with groups. And with my groups, I let them set the intention for themselves. And then the shadow work meditation carries them for the moment. They see it. They feel it. They can use all of their senses, every piece of it to bring it back to life. But what we want to do is interrupt that subconscious feedback loop. So we're changing the way that they're breathing during it. Mm. When we're traumatized, our breath gets really shallow. We start to panic. And that panic creates dissonance in the body. It forces us into that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn state. So when we're there, trauma is stored in the body because that's how our physical reactions occur. What we want to do with shadow work is change your breath while you're still mentally going through that whole trauma again and using all of your senses to re-experience it. But if we can change how you're breathing, we can force rest and digest. By forcing that, we stop the production of adrenaline and cortisol, Mm -hmm. and you don't feel the same way anymore about that traumatic experience. So let's use Gabby Bernstein's example that you brought up. Let's say you're in third grade, 
somebody says that you're chubby, it freaks you out. You go home, you start watching what you're eating. Mom points out that you're not eating well. She starts watching you and monitoring you. And the whole time you're in a state of acute panic. As an adult, you're dealing with this, but you forget about what happened in third grade. All you know is you spent your whole life going on and off of things like Weight Watchers, trying the gym, trying the latest exercise, doing keto, and you're never happy with your body. And you're very triggered by anybody noticing your body. Mm-hmm. So when we do shadow work, you're going to go back to that moment in third grade, hearing those kids talking about you, but you're going to change how you're breathing. And as we change the breath, those deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth very slowly, as you're in that state of complete coherence, your subconscious feedback loop is interrupt. And when we interrupt it, all of a sudden, the way you feel about it is going to change because that's the next step, the thought that comes up from the gut. Now you're going to look at those kids in third grade and you're going to think to yourself, oh, poor honey. What is it that your parents are saying to you at home? Right. Naturally, your response is going to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's cool that you can do it. You don't even do it individually anymore. You do it in group sessions. And I would think, is that not harder? Or do you just do the same kind of breath situation? And you said, we do the work ourselves. So is that how we get the shadow work healed? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. When everyone's doing it in a group setting and they're following the same meditation, they're all seeing different things and having vastly different experiences. I take groups of 10 into the shadow and one of them might remember a past life in France where they were subject to the guillotine and somebody else is stepping into their great grandmother being violently removed from her home in China. And then somebody else is remembering two years old and their parents fighting downstairs while they're standing at the top of the stairs because they crawled out of their crib. Everyone's experience is going to be different. But as I guide you through it, and this is the same for anybody who does it individually, as we alter the breath, the feelings about the situation itself changes and we're able to understand it from a different perspective it doesn't create that trigger anymore and we can do those additional healing pieces too like really severing our connection to that moment having it no longer exist through energetic work and that's shadow work in a nutshell and i actually find group sessions are extremely powerful for shadow work the reason being is that now you're being held by nine other people not just me so there's 10 of us who are there supporting you after it's done, we'll go through everybody's story and go, what did you see? What did you feel? How did it look? What was it like in your body? And everybody is there going, wow, that's so important. This ties back to what you said last time. I can see why you're so strong. And that support means everything. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing because to me, you always think, oh, we have all the soul work to do and all this. It's amazing what the mind can do for the soul too. You know, we don't think about that. Right now we are in these... 3D bodies. And this is really all the tools we have to work with. You know, we've got our minds and yes, there are souls and yes, we do have past lives. But what can we do with what you are dealing with right now? You have the tool within you. I love that you do that. I think that is so important. So do you do like a Zoom call? How do you deal with the whole group thing? I do. I do Zoom calls and I have people who work with me from all over the world. I have people in Australia, Dubai, uh, Kenya, California, Hawaii. Like I've had people that I work with everywhere and it makes it so much more rich because we can all come together in these moments and have these shared experiences and create connections and relationships that will never go away. Because I think when you do deep work like this with a group of people, 
you create a bond that can't ever be matched by anything else. There's nothing like it. Right. Have you ever experienced somebody that is, because I, I interview near-death experiencers, have you ever had anyone that has experienced some kind of near-death and has gone to see relatives or anything within that meditation? Yes, I have. Really? And I've taken people to the space in between lives, which is what people who go through near-death experiences often see. They see that space in between. Very often people who have NDEs report visiting the moment where they chose to incarnate in this body, in this lifetime. They can often see the reasons why they chose it or their path forward from this point. And the same thing goes for shadow work. When we regress, we don't really know where we're regressing to. So it can be to the space in between the lifetime three times ago or four times ago or the one right before this. And witness the moment where, I know for me, I've seen the moment where I chose my current parents to be my parents. I can take people to those spaces and let them experience what it's like. And it can give us that third-person perspective. Because I think so many of us feel at various points in our life, and hopefully not too often, that why would I choose this life? Because this life is really hard. Why would I pick that? I'm a cancer survivor. I've had that thought many times. Why would I choose willingly to have cancer? That was the most horrific thing I've ever gone through. And I wasn't even 30 years old yet when I was diagnosed. Why would anybody choose that? And I think those moments in between lives can really bring that into perspective because you get to see it with that bird's eye view. And you get to understand the domino effect that happens from those traumas or from the moments that felt like hardship, but later become your biggest triumphs. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because when you're in your perfect state up there going, hey, I think it would be really interesting to know and feel what it would feel like to have cancer or or whatever. But the more you understand how it all works, the less I'm a less of a victim then. I don't feel so victimized. I feel like, and people, and I've said this so many times on my podcast, they're like, well, now you're just victim blaming. No, I'm not. You know, would I have ever said, hey, I want a parent to be not available to me when I was a kid or would I have ever wanted my father to abuse me or whatever it is, right? No, you know, you're thinking, what am I thinking? What was I thinking? Why would I have ever chosen that? Well, you wouldn't have in your human state. Use my words really carefully, too, because from a therapist's perspective, from that background, I never want to make anyone feel like it's their fault that they've had certain situations. I have a sexual abuse history. um, Things happen to me more than once. I have cancer. And if anybody came to me and was like, well, what did you do? I I would hate them (laughs) because I would never choose that. And yet I saw myself choose it. I saw myself choose it before I showed up here. But I do think there's a huge difference between, like you were referring to before, our souls and what I call, lovingly, our meat suits, these physical bodies that we're in. Our souls transcend these bodies. And our souls don't have the same human needs that our physical bodies do. So it's easier for a soul to choose something because it doesn't feel like you have the weight of it it's more from a curious perspective of what would that be like versus a physical body that's like no i have to experience the pain of abuse i have to experience the pain of this horrible illness why would i choose that right so i think when we bring those two pieces together that's where we have so much learning and why being a human and incarnating in this place is so important 
to me, it's so much more about the experience than the learning in so many different facets of it. You know, I mean, yes, we're here to learn. We're, it's a lesson situation, but the experience. And I do believe that maybe when we gather that experience, we all go back to the collective and we all go, oh, well, that's how Leslie experienced it or that's how Danielle experienced it. And it was maybe you both experienced the exact same thing, but you thought of it differently. And Leslie, you thought of it this way. So it's just so interesting, I think, to source God, whatever you want to call him, for him to see how we perceive things. Absolutely. And it is really interesting too, living in today's day and age where we can all connect on social media because now we can also get that information in real time from people around the world. We're like even the loss of Queen Elizabeth that just occurred. She passed away about a week ago now and it has polarized the world and people have very different responses to that passing. And we're seeing a lot of the shadow that people have individually and also as a, a world community, we're seeing it come to life and people are getting this opportunity to deal with it and talk about it in real time. Right. Yeah, I've seen people that have been so distraught and very upset, which I totally get. I've seen people pretty much hammer her and say horrible things. And then I'm just like, gosh, (laughs) you know, we all have egos. I think we need our egos to exist. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't. Uh, Although, but although I do think that there are times when um, kindness is never bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think it says a lot about the grief process because everybody handles loss differently. And some people handle loss with anger because it creates some distance and some people handle it with depression and some people rejoice and everybody is different. So just giving people the grace to feel whatever they feel. Right. That's what's important because we all have to hold space for other people as well and try not to judge them. And that's that that's hard. That's probably the hardest thing that that I have to face not to judge people uh, regardless. Even if I'm in a car and they're cutting me off, I try my best. I used to go, gosh, dang it, that jerk, you know, whatever. And now I'm like, you know, listen, they might be having a bad day. Just blow it off. You know, what they did says way more about them than you and all the things. So now if some, it, it really is. So, okay. If somebody said, Hey, listen, Danielle, I'd love for you to do some shadow work on me. Do we have to wait until there's 10 of you to do it? How do you schedule all those things? Yep. So I run my group shadow work programs quarterly. So the next round is going to be getting either late November or beginning of December, depending on when the group fills. There's already a few of those spots gone. And then I'll run the next one again in early 2023. And as we lead up to that group, whoever it is that's meant to be together, I feel like souls find each other. It tends to be like there's certain people who find each other for a reason and themes that show up with the groups. I think nothing happens on accident. Everything happens for a reason. So as the groups come together, you get to see that in action. So yeah, if somebody was interested in doing some group shadow work, they would reach out to me. I want to meet them. I want to have a conversation. I want to learn more about them and why they feel like shadow work is the right move. Because I don't always think shadow work is the right move for someone. I think there's so many healing modalities and so many options for people that I only bring people into Create Your Light Academy, which is my group program, when they're at the point that they're really ready for it, when they're at the point that they're ready to dive into the shadow. And I wouldn't want to do anyone the disservice of having them be a part of it if they weren't at that point yet. And if they're not, I have so many resources around the world that I can send them to to help them prepare to be ready or to do something else entirely because there's no one path to healing. I agree. Let's talk about your book. So it's coming out September 20th. Tell me what you've included and and all the things that you love about the book and what you think it'll help us with. Yeah, so shadow work, when it came to be, it was about a year and a half ago, 
the publishing house, which is Sterling Ethos, now Union Square and Co., which is Barnes and Noble's publishing house, nice. had reached out to me and they said, we want someone to write the book on shadow work because nice. there's so much information about shadow work out there in the world, but it doesn't seem like there's a credible source who can really explain it and talk about the science and the spirituality right. equally. So they contracted me to write the book and I really sought to fulfill their mission, which is to speak about both the science and the spirituality. And for me, writing a book and reading a book, even when I'm reading a book, I don't want it to just be information. I want stories. I want things that are going to make me feel engaged. I want to be a part of some imaginary world for a little while because it's in someone else's head and not mine. So my stories are in every chapter of that book. And I really try to paint a picture of some of the shadow experiences that I've had to make you feel like you were right there with me standing in the 1600s on a beach in Scotland or in a Paris life that I had in Boston. So I I bring all those pieces in and I explain them as best I can. So you can really feel what it's like to be there viscerally with me in the shadow. So you know what to expect when you do your own shadow work. You make it very relatable. Yeah. yeah, I really break down the science because I want people to understand exactly what it is that they're doing when they do shadow work. Mm -hmm. I think we should all be informed and this is probably from my therapy background and it informs consent everyone should know what they're getting themselves into and the impact it's going to have on them i don't think any of us should take medications without knowing the physiological impact i don't think we should sign up for experiences without knowing the long-term results of what it's going to lead to so for shadow work you're going to know everything before i give you the breakdown of the process and then i'm going to give you everything that you need to do to do shadow work on your own because you don't need to do it with me or with anybody else you have the ability to heal yourself and i'm going to show you exactly how to do it and then as a bonus i'm going to talk about how shadow work and manifestation are the same thing and how you can use the same processes for shadow work to manifest anything Oh, see, there you go, guys. If that doesn't make you want to run and go, at least go get her book. Uh, book a session with her. I think she said it's coming up in November. She's filling up 10 spots. I think there are a few that are already taken. And I'm going to add all of her information on my show notes, her links, uh, website links, and her book link. So, uh, Danielle, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, I just, I love this. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really happy that our paths crossed. And thank you, TikTok, for making us find each other. <laughs> Right. I know. It's been fantastic. And like I said, um, I'll add all of your information on my show notes and I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.